0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf once again talking about the game we all love. We are indeed and
2: been a little bit of a quiet week in the snooker world or has it? It seems non-stop just maybe not the biggest tournaments on TV but plenty to talk about as always.
0: Quite a maverick there. We get not not a bit not a busy week, or has it been? I like that <laughs> t- t- teasing the, the the punters there. Yeah, a bit quiet, I think it's fair to say. But still, still enough for on and off the table to to keep us going for the next hour. Or so I would say, in an episode that I think we're going to very creatively call "Latest News and Latest Views." It took us ages to come up with that name. Um, hopefully, it does what it says on the tin, Phil. Um, in that we will round up the stuff that has happened on the table some of the uh the business coming up and catch up with your correspondence quite a lot of goths correspondence we can tell you from the start after the very successful seniors event there we've been inundated with goths there's plenty that's come in since that we're not using so we'll hold that over for next time but yes thank thank you for that so uh yeah how's your how's your week been we're you, speaking of off air, Phil. You know, quite quite a lot of sporting action. Bit of lot lot of football today. Sunday we're speaking in the UK, away from snooker. But um, you know, it's not. We're not just all about snooker, are we? Not ninety nine percent of us is, but <laughs> oh, yeah. we
2: are on here. But now, I've been watching a lot of darts this weekend. The UK Open, one of my <laughs> favourite uh, tournaments of the year. At Butlin's Minehead. Um, I went there the year the year COVID because it was just before COVID started uh as a punter and what a weekend that is at butlin's minehead watching the darts um i would recommend that to anyone um i was describing it to my girlfriend the other day it's like sort of a kid's playground but for adults (laughs) just wandering around you go and watch some darts then there's a big room where you can play pool play snooker for a bit bowling alley um and you're there for like four days there's swimming pools slides it's all very silly, it's a lot of fun. So I enjoy the UK Open, whether you're there or not. So that's been my weekend mainly.
0: I went to Mind Minehead a long, long time ago, and it is right on the sea, isn't it? Quite a mm. nice little town as well. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, probably a bit mean to say it, really, but... The, some of the accommodation, certainly I've known that Button is going back, has got more than the whiff of the 1970s about it. It really has. I love the 1970s. So, you know, I can't, but it
2: really
0: has. Yeah, oh. no, it's
2: uh, it's retro stuff. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's, not, it's one that I went to, yeah, with my mates. It was not where I, we'd we'd take our partners for a
0: romantic getaway or anything like that. But for a few days and a few beers, absolutely fun. Can you imagine that as a... As a potential ender, ender of dream relationships. I'm taking you to but you're doing what? Um yeah, so uh, lots going on. Yeah, I've seen ITV, loads of sport on ITV these days. That's that's been on there, isn't it? Or the UK Open. Really good athletics I've enjoying drawing from Glasgow over the last few days. Rolling indoors. So lots going on away from the snooker. But of course on this podcast uh, our focus is the beautiful table game. And Phil, let's first of all talk about the action that's happened on the table, shall we? And Since we were last on air, the Championship League has continued in Leicester. And the first thing to say is that we have seen the 200th maximum break in professional snooker made by Joe O'Connor. Bit of a Leicester double, Phil. Mark Selby, the man that made the 100th maximum, and now Joe O'Connor with the 200th. And here's some quotes from Joe after that uh, obviously special moment for him and and indeed in the game. Uh, To get my first maximum break, Today, I think that's the first time I've been past 70 or 80 this season. I'm so pleased. I was really nervous, especially after getting perfect on the blue. Uh, Not a very placid correct moment here from Joe coming up. I wanted to play it confidently uh, and I ended up hitting it like a fairy and not landing on the pink. Somehow I managed to get on the black and knock it in. Yeah, the pink was sort of one that was anything but routine or, or or the way you'd want to have it to middle. And then the black as well was, I mean, that's, we've seen far worse blacks for one, four, seven, that, that Henry one a million years ago and he, the, the white was virtually near the pocket comes to mind, but it, it still wasn't a, a black year one. If you had to choose a black to you want to, for one, four, seven, but he got it. And well, we, we seem to have had, well, we don't, we don't seem to, we have had loads this season, Phil. They just seem to be coming thick and fast, but I guess, but it's an obvious thing, but when one are being made, it does spread around the game, doesn't it, sometimes? It, we've seen it at tournaments where you can feel ones coming. At the moment, you feel ones are going come. They might slow up now we've got the 200. You, one of those funny things, it's been so, you know, I feel like it was 192 like a few weeks ago, and now it's on 200. You know, it, it's it, they've come thick and fast, but yeah. Uh, we, we see more these days, but there's obviously something still special about them, and number 200 is a real landmark.
2: Yeah, and amazing for first first. Uh, any players first would be <laughs> unforgettable. I think those sort of Champions League, the invitational Champions League especially, seems to be uh, prime grounds for heavy scoring. I know last season, that's where Matt Selt was just seemingly knocking in century after century for weeks on end, it seemed like. Uh, I know John Higgins made a 1-7 in this event a few weeks ago as well. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe it felt like big scores were coming. That game he made it in, Joe O'Connor, against Elliot Sasser was... One of the better best of fives um you'll ever see I've got this frame scores here Slesser won the first with a 66 then O'Connor made one three two one four seven um Slesser made a 73 in, in the next and that was after O'Connor made a 72 and then O'Connor won the decide with an 85 so that's not bad is it um I think that we in the category of um when we were talking about see what the what the standard is like a bit down the rankings these days. Um, you know, these guys have, have gone deep in tournaments, but they're not regular uh, in doing so. But God, they're, they're very good players. Um, so, yeah, fantastic stuff from Joe. Um, yeah, it doesn't even seem that long ago. I know it's a few years now when Dave Gilbert made the 147th, to remember that being a thing. So, yeah, we really Ooh. do rattle through them now. Um, but, yeah, no, fantastic. And, yeah, that comment he made about the first time he got past 70, I think he has sort of I was sort of expecting Joe to kick on a little bit this season. He hasn't really, but um, um, I do really rate him. Uh, He's a nice lad as well. So uh, pleased for him to do that.
0: Yeah, that's that's a nice way of summing it up. And uh, in terms of dotting the eyes and crossing the teeth a bit more on the progression of the Championship League, which is heading towards its climax now, well, Group 6 last Monday and Tuesday, we were actually on air last Monday, mentioned that Kyron Wilson was stringing some wins together. Well, he ended up being the winner. The semi-finals last Tuesday uh, saw Pang jung beat Elliot Slessor 3-2 and Kyron Wilson beat Sam Craigie 3-2. And then in the final, it was Kyron Wilson 3, Pang jung nil. And then Wednesday and Thursday, Ronnie O'Sullivan played, Phil, but then pulled out after four of his six matches. He beat Sam Craigie and Elliot Slessor before losing to Jack Jones and Joe O'Connor, and then he, he withdrew. The semi-finals saw these results, Jack Jones 3, Jordan Brown 0, and then Joe O'Connor 3, Elliot Slesser 1. The final, Joe O'Connor 3, Jack Jones 0. And we are left with the winners group coming up very soon, Phil, March 12th and 13th. And, uh, well, these are a bunch of... I don't, I don't recognise half these names, Phil. Stuart Bingham, Chris Wakelin, Mark Selby... Neil Robertson, John Higgins, Kyron Wilson, Joe O'Connor. I mean, it's not the biggest event, but roll up, roll up for those names. Some cra- there should be some cracking action to come. Yeah,
2: whoever, whoever wins through that winners group will be a well-deserving champion because that's not going to be easy. Um, yeah, there was that week, the previous set of groups... And I went down to Leicester and spoke to a few of those guys actually. And the three consecutive winners were Selby, Robertson, and Higgins. So that really bumped up the star power there. Um, and then yeah, Bingham, Wakelin, Kyron, and uh, now Joe O'Connor as well. So yeah, as I say, whoever comes out as the champion um, will be very well deserving and will get a place in the champion champions. champions. Um, they usually do anyway. They're quite it's quite far down the old uh, sort of ranking list of tournaments to get in there. But we've had so many repeat winners. It's going to be uh, guaranteed to be in there next time. So, um, yeah, that'll be interesting. And that's been bumped back because I think it was meant to be sort of this coming week, but Saudi joined the calendar. So it's down for the
0: 12th and 13th of March. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. And we'll round up what's happened in the climax of this non-ranking version of the Championship League where we're next on air with you here on Talking Snooker. Well, Phil, we've had some... Being UK centric, I'm sure there was ways to watch it elsewhere, but we, we certainly had some action live on the television in the UK in the last couple of days this weekend on Channel Five, which is a free to air channel here in the UK. I know many of you are UK, but not everyone is. And that was the Seniors 900. We already mentioned Goffs at the top uh, of the show. And it uh, went down extremely well, didn't it? Let's be clear. Uh, mm-hmm. Loads of fans saying they really, really enjoyed it. We've got some correspondence, as I say, to come later. And a very familiar winner, Ken Doherty, the 1997 world champion, uh, won the event. Very emotional he was as well. really meant a lot to him. You can see that that venue. And obviously, uh, being a, a proud Irishman, that really meant a lot. And, well, it was um, a throwback in so many ways. And lots of friends of mine, people I know in the game, that were there texting me saying, you know, some of them have been before back in the day, so it was very nostalgic for them. Some of them had never seen goths. So they're like, wow, this, this place, you know, all the hype, you know, it, it does live up to that, really. And, uh, well, some of the names, Phil, I mean, our old favourite, I say our new, but I think everyone's, Tony Knowles, you it spotting, spotting the old ageing rocker look as he does so well. Um, Dennis Taylor was in it as well. I mean, I thought he retired, Phil. He's had more comebacks than Frank Sinatra, Dennis. And we were left with semi-finals of Ken Doherty, Fergal O'Brien, an All-Irish semi. With Ken making a break of one hundred and one to win it, and then Stephen Hendry, Jimmy White, wouldn't you know it? Uh, Jimmy winning it on the black, and then the final, which I actually I got—I was going to the office for on Saturday. I didn't see much of the earlier part, but latter stages I did, and I watched the final. It was really good quality, actually. Jimmy with a break of seventy-seven in the opening frame, then Ken with a sixty-one to make it one each, and then Ken winning the deciding frame uh, to claim the title. Um, so. It, it really looked good. It was long coverage on a Saturday afternoon. And let's be clear, you know, if you'd have said maybe five, six years, maybe even fewer years than that, you'd have a whole afternoon on a on a pretty big channel in the UK, set aside for live senior snooker, you'd have been like, you know, what well, this doesn't sound very likely, mate, but it, that, that's what we're seeing. And it's um it's quite something, isn't it? Let's be clear.
2: Yeah, I think they've really hit, hit the jackpot uh, in some ways here because... The 900 obviously came about in the, the amateur game um, and it's been really successful for that. Um, and then the seniors version seems seems perfect for these TV slots. You know how, how long it's going to be. Um, and all these recognisable names. And I can only imagine that other players uh, sort of getting towards the latter stage of their career who can qualify to play in these will be um, will be well up for it because it looks like a lot of fun. Um and Ken will have loved that. I mean, I was I d- I was treated to speak to Ken ahead of ahead of the tournament, um, which is always a pleasure. Uh, and he was telling us this, I think he told the story even on here about when he was uh, an usher there and he had to get Alex Higgins' drinks. And it's the old story about if I asked for an orange juice. I mean, a vodka and orange juice. Um, but he was talking as well about you know he he he's considering retirement soon. It's not out of his out of the question. Um, he doesn't love <laughs> suffering all the defeats um, but he still does love playing um, but when I asked him what goals he's got left in the game he said oh, he'd love to play the Crucible again but first things first I want to win at Goths this weekend um, and that's what he did and he said that with a caveat because I asked him about the time he, he was in the final at Goths in the Irish Masters and ended up as the champion but only because Ronnie O'Sullivan failed a drugs test so when he said he wants to win at Goffs this weekend he said and win properly without anyone failing a drugs test and I said, you know, knowing some of the guys in the Seniors Tour, you can't guarantee
0: that, but hopefully. Oh, <laughs> wow. That is a naughty line. Wow. Yeah, I like that. Not anymore. Not anymore these days. <laughs>
2: um, but no, but I can see why he's emotional. It meant a lot for him. You know, that, that venue he worked at, I think he started working there when he was 14, um, played there, but never officially lifted a title there. So to do that now is superb stuff, obviously. Uh, a great, great snooker man. So I was dead pleased for him, and uh, yeah, very pleased for everyone putting that event on. Because, as you say, both so far look like they've been a real success.
0: Very much so, and um, you know, the TV coverage really looked the part, didn't it? Rachel Casey, what well, you know, uh, just uh, the the ideal person you want to be to be fronting any sort of coverage, really, and uh, just generally really good. Did, I did. Have, I must admit, there was one or two people um, that have messaged me to say that. The adverts did cut in towards the end of one frame, which is a bit unfortunate. It does happen. But on the whole, people say that, goodness me, it was a pretty cold old Saturday afternoon here in much of the UK. Of course, the early part of the spring here, but still pretty cold here. Wet in parts. People settling in. Cup of tea, cup of coffee, maybe something stronger and enjoying a lot of hours of really good <laughs> snooker there, Phil. And, you know, good good standard, actually. You know, a look, a lot, I say it's surprising. I don't mean that to you really mean, you know, because sometimes it, the seniors' events, it, they they can be quite protracted frames and, you know, you don't see particularly big breaks. But I don't know if it's the na- nature of the sort of timed format, but it, they were really getting on with it. And there was, to the extent that actually, I was saying to your affair, people messaging me that, that I know I was getting to work for about 3pm to watch it from there. They were saying, actually, this is, we're really getting through this quickly. So you're not going to see that much. And I was surprised by how quickly they were getting through it, but yeah, lots of good breaks. So I, I don't know if I mentioned, did I, that um, Ken made a, a a 101. I think I may have done that. Was a, so a century from Ken. Yeah. So uh, generally really good. As I say, I'm sure it, it, these events will go from strength to strength and yeah, nice nostalgia trip down memory lane for people. And yeah, as I say, just you know, congratulations to everyone that put it on, and and golf's obviously looks the part. I mean, the debate will go on, um, you know, and, and let's let's let it do so. Whether it's ever going to be able to stage a you know a big high profile ranking event again, or one of those one table events, people I think saying that you know accepting it couldn't do more than that. But I just think uh, maybe steer clear of specific goths talk on that um and just say an event in ireland is, is definitely overdue and I, I sort of mean the island of ireland on top of the event we have in belfast which is brilliant we I mean, look at the event in belfast we want any any idea of what you know what the people in the island of ireland think about the game you know it's just it's more anecdotal and just personal for us we have so many fans from ireland on this podcast for whenever we see listenership the numbers are terrific the the correspondence we get from ireland the love in Ireland for this game is profound actually and then wouldn't it be lovely um to see not just a big day like this which was great and lots of Irish fans loved it but if they could just get an event over there has to be right has to be you know the money has to be in place and everything right you know you can't just do it on a bit of nostalgia and a wing and a prayer it has to be done properly but wouldn't it be nice to think that could be done because the the love and respect and enjoyment for the game is there for all to see
2: yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm sure it would be very, very popular. Um, yeah, I mean, there's it's the, all the usual questions. But I know when Fergler O'Brien said he announced his sort of pending retirement, he made he set that as one of his goals to achieve from now on to try and encourage one over there. Um, yeah, I spoke to Ken about if they could get a tournament in golf specifically because we were talking about that. Um, and yeah, if it was to be there, it would have to be one of the smaller ones as in smaller in terms of small field, it doesn't have to be a small event, uh, something like the tour championship or something, but yeah, you know, there's so many, there's so many variables to these things, but yeah, certainly in terms of, would it be nice for everyone to see it? Would it be really well attended? Almost certainly. So yeah, um, that'd be superb because as you say, yeah, we've got a lot of, uh, Irish listeners, Irish correspondents. Mm. So, uh, a pleasure to have you on board and anytime I've been to Ireland, um it's been an absolute
0: delight to love it over there so yeah any excuse to go visit (laughs) yeah amen to that and lots there's a few nice stories around the press actually if you haven't read this is just before the event but it's still very relevant the irish times uh return to goth's glory days could be break irish snooker needs really good piece actually from simon bracken lots of of commentary and comments from some of the sort of greats of Irish snooker in there. Not so good opinion. And well, the way it ends Phil, maybe the way we should go into the next piece of the podcast, next section. Simon says here, as the best players in the world head for the snooker hotbed of Saudi Arabia, it feels as if the organizers are missing a trip closer to home. Now a bit of a, of a swipe there from the journalists. But of course we are heading to the Saudi invitational event, aren't we? In the coming days We told you last time that the event will be available to watch on Eurosport. That's where you can see it, certainly in the UK uh, and across Europe. And DAZN is where you can see it in in many other parts of the world as well. And uh, we can also tell you the event is a sellout. All the tickets have been sold. Now, I've had a look at the, um, the, the ticket site. They're very well priced. They're terrific value, actually. They're really, really, really good. They're cheap um the, the very cheapest ones the cheapest chips actually but it has ensured that the event is sold out all, all the tickets have gone for it so we won't have to uh you know speculate about there being no one there as we've seen for some you know events over the years i'm in china let's not beat around the bush but that won't be the case for this um the debate does go on of course over over the event it you know it is controversial we should point you the way of uh, a friend of the podcast david caulfield who has written a piece on his very good snooker hq website uh, which is titled selling its soul or growing the sport snooker in saudi very um I think intelligent analysis from David as well, looking at it from both both sides and, of course, big friend of ours, as we say, because it was the first voice that wasn't me or Phil ever to be on this podcast. Um, Phil, as ever, you've done a brilliant job of outlining because I was getting very confused with what who was playing what and when. But I've had a look at your story and, and literally done the you old know, Control-C, Control-P, the two were <laughs> the two of the most well-used buttons on the, or, or three of the most well-used buttons on the keyboard. And I think that that's done the job for me. So coming up on Monday, we've got Ding Jun-Wi against one of the wildcards cards play, players, who, who's uh, I'm pretty sure it's been announced since we were last on air. And it's Saudi Arabia's uh, Omar Omar Ajad Lani, who's 44 and uh, will have a really big day in the spotlight here. And notice he beat Barry Pinches at, at Q School a few years ago. So um, obviously can play a bit and what a, what a, what a moment to, for him. And John Higgins will take on the other wild card, uh, who is Ali Alo badley who won the IBSF Men's World Championship last year. So obviously, again, some, some real talent there. Then on Monday evening, it's Ali Carter against Ding or Alej Lani. And then it's Mark Williams v. Higgins or Aloe Badley, And it's a lot of either ors. here. It's a bit like the FA Cup trial we just had, Phil, isn't it? When they yeah. where they decided to ludicrously do it before half the games have been played for the sixth round of the Cup, but it ended up being very messy. This, this feels similar. Tuesday, then quarter-finals, 2pm, Mark Allen v. Mark Selby, Luca Bissell v. Carter or Ding or Wildcard. Then, 7pm, Judd Trump, Sean Murphy, and then uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan Williams or Higgins or Wildcard. Wednesday, semis in the final. Sorry, loads of names for me there. Let's go to you, Phil. That's plenty enough of my voice. Uh, lots of big stars to play in the coming days. And there's no doubt that um, there'll be a lot of buyers on this tournament. And uh, as I say, depending on where you are, for a lot of us here in the UK, it'll be on Eurosport.
2: Yeah. Um, the the recently expanded field, isn't it? The, I didn't know that was coming on the Saturday um, with Ding and Higgins being added in. Um, so then we've got the quite unusual, if you look at the sort of the bracket, if you go on the Wikipedia or wherever, you might see the draw bracket. Um, so sort of two, two rounds before some players enter at the quarterfinals. So quite the odd setup for a tournament, really. But um, yeah, I mean, you would expect Ding and Higgins to win um, against those wildcards, although they're not complete no hopers by any means. Um, Ali Ola-Badley, who's won the IBSF. You know, that had a very historic tournament. Um, and he beat uh, Chun ka Wei, who just won the WS champ- WSF Championship to come on tour, beat him in the final. So um, he can certainly play. Um, he's not as good as John Higgins. I think we can say that confidently. Um, but, you know, these aren't, these aren't guys that they just sort of found knocking around in the local super club. Um, so hopefully they'll put, put on a good show. Um, but, yeah, you'd expect that. The, the experienced tour pros to to come through, and then you know, then you got Williams against Higgins the next round, and Carter against Ding um, for a chance to play the guys uh, coming in at the quarterfinals. Um, but yeah, we were talking off air. Obviously, the one six seven, we found out about what's going on there um, with the golden ball. It's going to be on the bulk cushion in the middle of the bulk cushion, so in line with the, the brown spot. Um, and as soon as it's only potable. We knew this. It's only potable after a one four seven. So as soon as a one four seven is not on, then the referee takes it off the table and we play on as normal. Uh, and a foul on it or anything, in, in, any foul involving that is worth four points, not twenty, or the value of the ball on it's higher. Um, so yeah, they've cleared up some of those uh, questions we had. It's slightly bizarrely, with a video narrated by Jack Pasowski. <laughs> i don't know why he was involved i think i heard he's doing some commentary for the world feed on it so or punditry so uh that will be why but it did seem a bit odd um but yeah so that's what's happening with that and we uh, also found out it's gonna be half a million dollars um for anyone who does well not anyone actually the first person who makes a 167 break which is just shy of 400 grand in pound sterling um so, you know, very worth doing if you're there. Certainly worth going for um, in what is effectively, you know, like an exhibition tournament. You've got to be taking them on. Um, but the interesting thing we were saying off air, that it's just for the first person who makes that, gets their half a million dollars. Um, and the likes of Higgins and Dinghu who are come in and got two rounds before the likes of O'Sullivan and Trump come in at the quarterfinals. They've got extra goes at this. So it could be that someone's pocketed half a million dollars before anyone's had you know had a go at um, a frame at all so interesting developments there's been some more clarity to it because it was I was saying to you we were saying to each other in the week or so beforehand some things were unclear to the point where it was a bit secretive in terms of prize money breakdowns and what was going on with the gold ball what was going on in general Um, but things have become clear um, a few days before it kicks off and I think we know what's going on now
0: well, I think it will be held in some quarters as marketing genius, won't it? But um, I certainly don't see it like that. It's all been a bit poke and dagger for me. Um, and yes, well, I, I must admit, I've, I've held off talking about um, this piece of new gimmickry until now. But it, yes, it is, um, it is interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, we were initially told that the ball wouldn't be on the table. I mean, it seems a lot less dignified to me. Um, that the ball's going to be on the table throughout. I mean, initially the idea was, oh, it'll be brought out, and that seemed like, you know, a, a sort of gimmick that you really wouldn't lose sleep over. But, but for the ball to be on the table, I mean, that makes the it completely different sport. Now you could say, so what? It's an and Listen, I think so. What? It's a, you know, it's an exhibition event. You know, it's not. They wouldn't do this in a ranking event, so that's okay. Um, but it's going to interfere in. Other balls may hit it and. You know what have you so um it'll you know it there's no doubt that you know it'll, it'll create interest certainly early on there'll be a sort of I can't think of that when you want to see something that's a bit strange and you sort of, I can't think of the word now but there'll be that kind of not car crash fearing. that's the wrong way that's not right but it's something like that there'll be a curiosity value of course and you know I guess the other thing to say in fairness it it will be irrelevant for an awful lot of the time won't it if someone lands on a blue straight away it goes so there will be loads yeah. of frames where it just won't be relevant so that's 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 obvious and that's fair um I mean another thing we were saying um I mean you 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 were pointing out the pockets could <laughs> could be I mean beware the pockets on this a eh? I mean I mean, beware. The, the pockets are a lot of more normal tournaments. Let's be clear, but but on this, you know, it's um, I can't see them playing like the Masters, which are the best pockets I've ever seen. They're not going to be like that, Phil. If you're expecting pockets like we saw at the, Ma- Well, of course we saw maximums. That's the key, That's the thing, though. Didn't stop maximums being scored, but you're not going to see pockets like we saw at the Masters.
2: No, I'm thinking more the the, the event in Hong Kong where we saw the the record crowd, um, which you know. I was still similar, I mean very different vibes in many ways, but you know, that was sort of a one-off exhibition, um, huge crowd, made for um good headlines for the sport, um, in that way. And the pockets there were super generous. <laughs> and there were lots of centuries. Marco Fu made a, a one four seven, didn't he? And they decided against John Higgins. Um, and that just felt like a one-four-seven was coming at some point because um, you know the best players in the world. You got there, and the table was playing very generously. So I would be surprised if it's not similar situations, similar conditions that are very amenable to scoring. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, I don't want to criticise anything too much until I've seen it. And I wrote that piece in like January when it was all announced. And I think sort of, I think the idea behind it is a bit naff and tacky in terms of it's just the organisers wanting to say this could be the biggest break ever. Look at our gold ball, um, which I think is a bit, yeah, naff. But I don't want to judge the spectacle of how it comes across until I've seen frames played with it. Cause you know, if someone's clearing up on one four seven, you know, you've got a shot at something for half a million dollars. It's going to be exciting. There's no two ways about that. Um, and as you say, as long as it's in this kind of tournament, which is effectively an exhibition an extremely well-paid exhibition, um, then you know we'll wait and see, won't we? I don't want, it, but I, I don't. I'm as much as it is against my initial sort of instincts. I still don't want to judge it too harshly until I've
0: seen it. But I think more importantly than that, I think it's it's a way of deflecting away from talking about more important things, isn't it? I mean, this this is the first time I've talked about it. I don't particularly like doing so now, but I think it, it it's a simple way of deflecting away from talking about things we should be talking about, and that's 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 really been my fundamental problem with it. But Yet, listen. There's no doubt in the coming days that yeah, I've just been to a couple of people recently. In, in um, and this is a bit of a wider point, actually, in in, in the newspaper business, they've started to notice that snookers able to attract rather more headlines than they were they previously thought, which we've always known, of course, Phil. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, we're going to see that come to fruition. I think in the, in, in in the coming days, um, and you know. Be a lot of, there will be a lot of attention on this tournament, I'm sure. Not of all, all of it will be good and, and not all of it should be good. Um, because there's you know, there's 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 many, many issues raised by this complex matter. But listen, keep your thoughts coming anyway, you know, from what you what you're seeing, talking snooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talking snooker. We've got um a couple of bits of your correspondence, which we trailed for a while, both sort of pro what, what we're seeing with the foray into Saudi Arabia. But um have you got anything more to say about that film? The players are of course out in Saudi Arabia. Now we know it's underway on, on Monday and we see Mark Allen, haven't we come out and say that, you know, he doesn't want to get involved in the politics of this at all. And for him, it's just, it's just snooker. And that's what, what he wants to focus on. And that seems to be the view among, among you know the players generally, we haven't heard from some of the players, but the players generally, I think it's going to be a lot more interesting in a way. In the August September event, because there's so many more players going there that they're there. Then um, we'll probably get to the heart of the matter a little bit more that one. But anyway, Saudi coming up, and yeah, maybe you can have your final word on that for now. We're certainly going to see plenty of plenty of big stars. And listen, we might not see the, the biggest break of all, but I think what season could break is what we are. I can imagine we're going to see some real standard. And the and the thing I've always I've always said from the start when I've asked people to come up with the you know reasons why they're okay with this and they've always said well people in the area should should you know why should they be denied and i've always liked that view locals expats we always call them expats when they're brits don't we we have a a nice kind way of saying it um that that they'll um they'll have a chance to, to see it and you know they'll revel in it you know they'll revel in live snooker and the snooker will be good it's a bit like with the qatar world cup you know it was great in the sense that football was great and, and snooker's great. So what what will be on the table will be good. Yeah. Mm. That's been not particularly relevant in my view, but I think what we'll see on the table, Phil, will be good. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's never a problem. I mean, when you turn on the TV and
2: watch a snooker match, it could be anywhere. You won't know when you're watching it. Um, and, you know, most people won't care. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, well... I am intrigued to see how it all looks. I've seen a little video of uh, the arena being set up, and obviously ticket sales, as you say, very good. Um, so I'm interested to see how, it, how the setup is and everything. Um, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, again, it's just it's like that. Like again, like I said about the Hong Kong one, in terms of a tournament, it doesn't sort of excite me in a in a great deal because it was. I don't know Ronnie, I sort won that one in Hong Kong, but if whoever won, so what? <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, it was great for them. It's great for all the people who are going and playing in it. Um it, I don't feel like it's got great significance this week beyond that, you know, other than if you could say that's because why the ranking event has come about, which is significant, but I'm not sure if that's the case or not. Um but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes,
0: see how it's presented. Um and we'll talk about it afterwards. Very much so when we're next on air on, on, here on Talking Snooker. Um, Phil, the Women's World Championship taking place next week at the Dong Snooker Academy in Dong China. First time the tournament's been played in China. And uh, I've I've seen some of the uh, pictures of, of that arena. It looks terrific. Um, sort of two main tables. And then, as I understand it, other tables will be sort of around them. And it, it just looks, yeah, it looks the part. Uh, really good action to come. Plenty of sort of well, star names now, and that's the, the beauty of the development of the women's game, that these are star names now. People like the defending champion, uh, by Pat Sira Paporn, uh, world number one, Nutra, and, of course, 12-time champion, friend of the podcast, Rhian Evans. So there, there'll be seniors events, and under-21 events. They'll take place, I think, more towards the start of the week. And then, of course, the main world championship. So we wish everybody good luck. I know many of our friends and colleagues will be uh, off to uh, organise that event, to help cover that event. And, uh, yeah, it should be a cracking week of action. And the tournament gets bigger and bigger every time. As I say, looking at that venue, it really looks like um, a smashing place for the tournament to take place in.
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and all the big names there. So i will be interesting. I'm not sure how much, if any, we'll be able to watch. Sometimes Um it's a bit dodgy, isn't it? We don't get to see very much. Um, but hopefully sometimes there's some of it streamed. So uh keep an eye out on social media for any updates on that. I've not seen the prize money there. I mean, this is that's the kind of thing that we'd want if, you know, when we're going to plunder the the riches in other places um to help grow the sport, you know, if areas like the prize money at the women's world championship is what we'd like to see. Um uh, that money in snooker funneled towards, I would say, because um, it's really sort of pitifully small and has been historically. Um, the ladies that go and play in that, um, you'd have to pretty much win it to make your money back. So uh, it'd be good if things like Saudi this week help things like that in the, in the coming days. Um, but yeah, no, interesting to, to see who comes through that because there's a two-year tour card as well on the line as by won Last time, um, somewhat surprisingly.
0: Um, so we'll see if we can come through and win it this time. And if you've got the specific views on the women's game or this tournament to come, do contact us, Talkin snooker at yahoo.com or, or tweet us at TalkingSnooker. If you've got a particular favourite women's player or you want to talk about the development of the women's game in general or anything you're following, as I, as you, as I say, at this World Championship, do let us know. Uh, one more line, Phil, for now, then we'll move on to correspondence. And that is that Stephen Hallworth has won the English Amateur Championship, beating Callum Downing at uh, 6-4 at the Landywood Snooker Club. Uh, so uh, a notable victory uh, for a friend of the pod- podcast, Stephen, who's, um, I say, is going to become, has already become, you You sense a, just a, a, a brilliant snooker man. We love watching him on television. Um, he's really good at that job. He's really good at the game you know this is a, a a a trophy a title they're always important aren't they to get you know it sounds obvious but to put that in the cabinet you know it really show, shows like it's that progression in your career it's those nice moments so we 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 say congratulations to him friend of the pod but uh, who isn't <laughs> uh, yeah great win uh, isn't the oldest tournament in
2: snooker 10 103rd edition of this um since 1916, which is incredible, really. Wow, um, yeah. Very great to the game have got their hands on that. So, yeah, uh, and a great-looking trophy. I'm looking at it right now. He's yeah. got wonderful handles. The uh, picture of Stephen, he's not using the handles to hold it up, he's using the base. But he's won it, he can do what he wants. Um, but, yeah, congratulations, and that will, yeah, it's all good confidence. Um, I think he'll be in the QTOL playoff coming up at some point. Um, so, yeah, congratulations. I've, following him, his progress on his stag do last weekend on instagram where he was away with a couple of other pro players uh and i'm impressed that he's got over the hangover by now to win that tournament so well done on both fronts
0: <laughs> indeed congratulations from us uh uh steven for your for your success there winning the english amateur championship as safe for as an historic title uh, and a really notable success for you uh phil i think we've just done just about over half an hour now so we're kind of on target for our, hour. I, I got a bit sniffy recently, a couple of people were saying oh, quite long, and I was like, actually, you know, we do tend to stick to an hour, but then we really let that drift the last few, so we're going to try and stick to around the hour mark, aren't we? And we should say that you are listening here to the Talking Snooker podcast with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf."
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Phil, we have a couple of pieces of correspondence that uh, are pro the, the events uh, to come in Saudi, the invitational and then the ranking event. And obviously, you know, I've got to be, you know, I wouldn't be doing my duty to myself there are some compliments here for me in this first email. I, I don't in some ways feel like they're entirely merited. I'll explain why in a moment. But anyway, James Finity, hi, Nick and Phil. Hope you are well. First of all, I'd like to let you know how much I enjoy the podcast. I find you both to be extremely well balanced and have honest views which bode well with your entertaining spirit over the mic. Nick, Nick, I recently read your article in Sporting Life and listened to your opinions on the Saudi tournament on the podcast. I'd like to say I, I found your viewpoint to be extremely refreshing as not many journalists have had the guts to seriously look at the morality issues surrounding snooker's new role in Saudi Arabia's sports washing mission. And many highlight hypocrisy, et cetera, as an excuse to overlook these issues. So thank you for being brave enough to give your honest opinion and avoid the temptation to overlook these areas where money have failed to do so. Whilst I agree with everything you said, I find myself in the strange situation with also thinking WSC have done the correct thing in having discussions with the Saudis. I will outline the reasons below. I think this is vital in order to safeguard the sport. Although I don't know if you are a huge golf fan, well, I am. um, Just just to say I am uh, there, uh, James. He says, uh, I know you're well aware of the live golf situation. I myself was an avid golf fan as well as a snooker nut. And what has happened with the situation in professional golf over the last couple of years cannot be underestimated when it comes to other sports. Uh, The parallels between when the Saudis decided they want to become involved with golf and snooker are uncanny. With one major difference, the major governing body for professional golf in the US, the PGA Tour, decided they did not want to engage in discussions with the Saudis around three years ago and refused to consider giving them any seat at the table. Although at the time it seemed the correct thing to do, in hindsight, it was one of the most catastrophic mistakes any sporting governing body has ever made made. And the result of this is the sport has indefinitely become more fractured than it ever has been. If there's one thing the Saudis do not like, it's being told they're not allowed to join the party. They do not like being told no. In response to hearing no for the PGA Tour, they set up Live Golf, allocated billions of dollars in their public investment fund toward it, which has resulted in the sport being completely ruined for us viewers. Please do not make the mistake in thinking snooker is too small a sport for them to consider doing something similar. If the WSC were to refuse to engage with Saudi Arabia, the consequences may be too disastrous for snooker fans to imagine. It would not surprise me one bit if they decided to set up their own tour, take away the top players, start their own World Championship, etc. Yes, they would not invest billions of dollars into lining snooker players' pockets like they have with golfers, but they would certainly invest tens of millions, even a billion dollars to the P. If is a drop in the ocean and they would do it just to show that they can. Whilst I completely agree with your points on talking snooker and on sporting life, the question you primarily asked in that article was, is it really worth it? I just thought I would highlight the above points as I think it may ultimately be worth it as it would most certainly have been worth it for Golf 2. While Saudi Arabia's human rights record is reprehensible and it is correct to highlight these issues, which I seriously commend you for, I think the alternative option to giving them a the tournament could potentially lead to unimaginable consequences, as unimaginable as they were for golf fans a little as two years ago. To be honest, the only real worry for me is whether the WSC are planning to host the World Championship over there down the road. As reading between the lines, this seems to be a real possibility. I hope this isn't the case and I'm costing my fingers and toes They keep it at the crucible for as long as possible. Keep up the good work, please. Listen to Talking Snooker it has become an enjoyable staple of my weekly routine. Best regards, James. Thanks for that, James. A long email, I know, but lots of lots of valuable points. I, I, thank you for your kind words. I mean, I don't really think I, I'm, I'm entirely worthy of them. I, I may have spoken well on this issues, but I'm sure on others I, I will have come short short on. Um, I mean, it has been an eye opener the way it's been covered. I, I, I think, but listen, um, it, it's something that I think is important to talk about and thank you, thank you for sort of bringing that up. And yeah, I take your points on board that if snooker hadn't, you know, agreed to go along with this, it may have led to more sort of perilous matters. Um, Fair enough. Um, What I think, I think it's a bit different. I think it's a bit funny comparing it to golf on some levels. And I said this from the very start is that this is only a, few days of an invitational event and then a ranking event whereas the golf business is massive I know I know you say that they created Live Golf but they still wanted to go really really big to begin with they wanted something massive whereas I think in Sluka it's kind of s- smaller so far yeah I mean I do I do think that there's there is talk that the World Championship could well go overseas could it go to Saudi possibly some people are saying they're pleased that it's, this fourth major's come about because that might mean that the World Championship is safer for now. You know, Those questions are to come further down the line. But listen, thanks for your points. Appreciate them. Uh, and, and Phil, I think it's fair to say uh, some, some good wisdom there from James.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think we made really good points. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're seemingly sort of an unstoppable force in n- numerous sports, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down. Um, so while, yeah, it would be, some people would like very much... Sport, certain sports, and this sport sort of take a stand about, against it. Maybe it is the more sensible option to give them a little bit and so avoid taking the whole cake, as it were. Um, it makes sense. You know, we don't know. We won't know any of these situations because um, they're either ors, aren't they? But um, that, what James put out there certainly seemed to make sense. Um, and I think I like James's email in general because I think what I find tedious in so many points is that so people need to be sort of all in one way or the other. Um, there's, there's definitely arguments on both sides of, um, you know, the sport and separate everything else, you know, and you got to, even if you're sort of naturally dead against um, doing anything over there because of the human rights things, which is the situation we're in, you could still accept that it's positive for the sport to go, go there and take the money and grow the sport in certain ways. You know, it's not, all thing all or nothing. I did there was a couple I was listening to a couple of um, correspondents on Snooker scene podcast and I think two two separate emails on in one episode said we're really arguing how good it was for Snooker. Fair enough. And I think they both said, I can't there's I can't think of one reason why you wouldn't want to do it. I was like how can you not think of one reason why you wouldn't want to do it? I mean, even if you are fine going and playing the snooker and getting the money, like that, I don't, that's fine. I'm not having a go at that opinion, but to say you can't think of one reason why not, uh, come on, that's mad. Um, so, yeah, I enjoy James as sort of accepting that he's not loving it, but it might be the right thing to do, which is somewhere where I am as well. I wouldn't want to begrudge the players of going and taking the cash, a lot of them need it. Not so much these guys go there this week, but when the ranking event comes around, a lot of those guys do do it. So that's about where I am. But I find it hard to believe that anyone can say, I can't think of one reason why we shouldn't go. Blows my mind that. Uh, anyway, uh, unless you've got anything else to say on that one, I'll move on to the next one.
0: No, I haven't uh, seen Move on. This
2: is Jonathan Van Kuyk. Sorry, I've probably butchered your surname there, but I'll give it a go. Hi, Nick and Phil. Very much enjoy the podcast. I've been listening for just over a year, but I've never written in. I almost wrote in after the announcement of the Saudi exhibition tournament. However, with the announcement of a new lucrative ranking tournament in Saudi Arabia, I feel I should miss, shouldn't miss the opportunity to make my point on this contentious topic. I believe it was Nick who mentioned that there seem to be no positive reasons for holding a tournament in Saudi Arabia other than the money. I would like to push back on this idea. I, some, I am someone who is moderately plugged into the Gulf expat community. While I don't live out there myself yet, I have family who live and work in Riyadh, and my partner's family are based in Dubai. I have therefore visited the Gulf states often, and am open-minded to the idea of relocating there myself, should the opportunity arise. I bring this up to raise the fact that Dubai has plenty of snooker billiard clubs, some of which which are rather swanky, as you might expect these are particularly popular with Chinese and British expats, although of course golf and tennis dominate the amateur sports scene. Nevertheless, I expect the two new Saudi events to be well attended by excited British and Chinese fans, who will be thrilled to be able to spectate the game we all love without having to spend a lot of time and money on flights back home. I, for one, am pleased that if I do end up living and working in either Saudi or, as is more likely, the UAE, I won't have to leave my favourite sport behind. This, of course, does not necessarily tip the balance of reasons in favour of holding snooker tournaments in Saudi Arabia, but I think it is a perspective worth airing as it proves that more than Mammon justifies the existence of these events... He is hoping to a revival of the Dubai Classics complete the picture. Thank you for reading my email. Kind regards, Jonathan. Well, again, otherwise very interesting, because it's perspective that we probably don't have. Um and similar to what you were saying before, Nate. Yeah. You know, the Stook fans everywhere. And they're the last people we want to be a grudge when we're talking about this kind of thing.
0: Definitely. And that's always been my favorite point out of um I said from the start, I wanted people to make the point. And, and people have not done a very good job with that. That sounds really pious, but they haven't they haven't done a good job at all with, with giving me other reasons. This is a good one. Um, I think, why should people in that area be denied the chance to see sport? I said it be- you know, before, but it's happened at the Qatar World Cup. People say they'll never, actually, ironically now, they will the chance again because the world Cup's now going to be in Saudi Arabia uh, unfortunately in, in, in times to come but you know they were like we can't believe something as big as this has come to this region we never would have believed and I'm sure you know I say Saudi world cup I'm sure there'll be the Olympics in time as well and you know things th- things will change and you'll see a lot more there but you know I, I do take that point on board Um, and listen I, I've seen it on various forums you know as well Reddit which I really enjoy reading a lot lot of people on there saying you know actually I'm going um a couple of them are uh, from different different areas of Saudi and traveling and I think a couple of from nearby countries they're going they never thought there'd be a snooker event in that in that part of the world so I get I get that point that's a yeah point I I really take on board yeah I mean we'll leave Saudi for now I think generally but I think um no it is complex and I and I really take your words of wisdom on board there and I know that's something I can be a bit guilty of on this one other ones as well but I think sometimes you know whoever we are journalists or not but maybe particularly journalists you can become a bit a bit fixated on one thing and start to become a little bit um dogmatic and not really that's not the the mature thing to do is it the mature thing is to do it is to look at both things I mean look what I would say is it, it is it is perfectly possible and we have seen it. And people might say, "Well, it's easier for these guys because they're, you know, absolutely massively wealthy." People like Lewis Hamilton have been there and said, "I don't actually feel that comfortable here. I'm not comfortable with parts of of, of of what happens in this country, but I'm still here." You know, it is possible for snooker snooker players to to delve into that world a little bit more than, "Well, I just I've just come here for the money." I mean, that I don't know. I mean. Uh, it is possible to to to, to travel both sides a little bit more than that. I uh, am um, it, it probably takes a little bit of courage, but um uh, you know that, that that is certainly that is certainly a possibility. And the other thing, you know, Mark Allen was saying, Oh, if everyone anyone will take this opportunity, I don't like that point of view. I've never liked that point of view. We've we've obviously lived in, in had different life experiences. If, if Mark, if Mark, and not Mark, a lot of people I see say that. I've known people all my life to turn down money, turn down opportunities, change jobs, supposedly downgrade jobs because there are things they're not comfortable. Not just always morals, not just you know, but uh, someone's along into that sort of area. So not absolutely everybody would, you know. Sometimes people are sort of think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm really after money. So everyone is, well, not everyone is, you know, that's not how life works. We've probably been conditioned to believe that, you know, (laughs) in a sort of age of rampant capitalism, Oh, we all want greedy. We we all have, we all have slices of pie and even more. No, that's not true. That's not how humans are in my experience. People aren't always like that. There's much more nuance to it. So I'm, I'm a bit allergic to that point that everyone would take the money. No, no, that's that. I don't see it like that. I'm afraid. And, uh, Their end of the sermon, Phil Hague. (laughs) 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 Shall I go Steve Dunn? Yes, indeed. Here we go. Hello, Actually, no, I think it... um, Yeah, no, Corey, it is Steve Dunn. Carry on.
2: Sure. Hello, guys. Long time since I've corresponded, but I haven't missed a second of your dulcet tones. I've been thinking recently about how... a given tournament sits on the co- in the context of the rest of the season. For example, I love the recent version of the UK's, aka World Champs light, and think it has really helped re-establish it as a major title. But it goes the other way too. The expansion of the German Masters improves the tournament when viewed on its own. But in the context of the season, I must admit, it felt less characterful to me. It felt more like a Home Nations event, whereas in previous years, it was a bit of change of pace. Similarly, I'm worried about the expanded Tour Championship might feel too similar to the Players' Champs. I have a suspicion that this is pretty unimportant because it would only affect hardcore fans like myself who keenly follow every moment of the tour and perhaps the German Masters has been improved for German fans so that's a big plus. Uh, So that's a big plus. Sorry, I didn't intonate that, probably. Uh, It's a niche concern. I anticipate Phil saying he won't be losing any sleep over it, but do you guys have any thoughts on how tournaments affect each other? Thanks, as always, for your quality and regular journalism, as Snoop Lovers couldn't be doing without it, Steve. Um, No, well, that is it. I do get what you're saying completely, because, um, you know, it's such a packed calendar now, and it does help massively when tournaments stand out from each other. I definitely think that. Um, And... I think Dave was saying, Dave Hennig was saying on Snooker Scene that next season it l- it's looking likely that the player Championship would go straight into the Tour Championship. And those ITV events are great. I, I, we're both big fans of them, I think. But they are, they do sort of feel, look quite similar and it's just they get smaller and smaller. But if it goes just from 16 players to the 12-player tour and they're right after each other, then that really would feel quite similar and not standing out so much. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, uh, I hadn't thought about those specific concerns that Steve had said about, but I do definitely think it's helpful when tournaments have their own identity as much as possible. Um, You know, we have the Home Nation series. They're all going to be the same, but then you get the differences of where they are and you try and boost that as a sort of selling point. Obviously, the waterfront in Belfast is a big selling point on its own, but the tournaments in general are the same. But it is nice for all the other ones to, as much as possible sort of identify themselves from each other, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Um, I do see a lot of people sort of, um, I speak to them when I go to events, and some of them do say that all the sort of tournaments feel the same. I I don't think I do think that really. Maybe I'm not moving fast enough in my head and the way I'm thinking about it. I, I think there is quite a bit of variation. I mean, okay, there's a lot of best of sevens, I get that, but... The home nations are different. The ITV ones all feel, a, you know, a, a bit different to me. Okay, maybe the, the, those three are kind of similar-ish, but I like the way the players decline each time. I, I feel there is there is a, quite a lot of variety. Yeah, I, I would. I do understand that that would maybe not be suboptimal. Actually, if the players go straight into the tour, you want gaps in between. I, I do think the Pat do is, you know, is a lovely problem, but I do think it mm-hmm. it creates things that are great problems for us. But they are, I suppose, still problems. Like, you know, we said, although I think it might have been different this last time or two, but that when an event is straight after the UK, it's huge after the Lord Mayor show for a few days, which it is. But, you know, it's hard to sort of avoid that, really. And, yeah, I think there's a view, and I know Gary Moss, our friend, has sort of expressed this, certainly about the German and maybe about a couple of the ITV ones as well is they're good, but it feels like they almost could be even bigger. I think there is something in that, but I think it's time as well. I, I'm about to say I, we're very, let me let me say myself, I'm very, I'm very impatient person. It's one of my worst thoughts. I, I, I want yeah. things to happen straight a bloody way. I then it's a London thing or just a me thing. I, so I'm a bit like, why can't it be bigger? Why can't we do this? And actually, you need time, you know, like the Germans are over a decade old now and, it has got a certain status. i am got to use that word gravitas. It's got genuine gravitas. Could it have more? Yes, probably could. But I think it will get there. You know, it's now seven days in. in, in, in I don't mean to pick on the Germans, only because this in this email. But um, that's one that comes to mind. You know, hopefully now it be seven there next year and the year after and the year after. And that will slowly get even, even bigger. The ITV events, again, they're so new, actually. Maybe we should, you know, Rather than that thing, oh, they all look the same and, you know, maybe they could be bigger. Maybe you should flip it around and say, actually, it's, it's amazing. They're so big and they are oh, really? They've identified themselves very quickly. So, no, good point, Steve. Very nerdy. I, I, know, I hope you won't mind us saying because you're. we class you as a – well, I say we class him as a friend. He's nearly a friend, isn't he? He's a very, very strong acquaintance. Oh,
2: in, yeah. Well,
0: him. well, if, if he came over to the same table we were in the pub, we wouldn't say go away, Steve, would we? We'd let we'd let him sit down for a pint. Of course, we would. So yeah, maybe it's very, very, very close to friend. It's it's a hair's width away, really. But yeah, no, good point. I know you're really, you're really into your um your snooker, uh, Steve, in a very big way. So the minutio tournaments is um is great. But no, I don't think we're losing too much sleep over it. But it, it, it's, a, it's a nice email, so thank you. And Brian McGovern, who's one of our nicest fans, Phil. Um, Brian often. Tweets about all kinds of interesting things, and of links us in even to Irish transport matters, doesn't he? You know, it's, it's, it's going to be a, his commute's been a bit spoiled, and um, which we we enjoy all that. Now, Brian wants to raise an issue on the podcast regarding ITV4 coverage of snooker. He says, "I'm a Republic of Ireland resident, and I'm glad to say I'm able to watch ITV4 here." As you know, the Players Championship had two tables in operation. ITV4 showing the match on Table One. Well, anyone who wanted to watch Table 2 had to go to ITVX. The only problem is, in Ireland, people don't have access to ITVX. I'm sending this email on the evening of Ronnie O'Sullivan against Xiaoyu Long. After that, ITV4 showed brief coverage of Table 2, which featured Ali Carter be Tom Ford. And they said if anyone wanted to continue watching to go to ITVX. Just thought I'd share my annoyance over this, as I'm a Republic of Ireland resident. Hope you can raise this in the podcast. Best wishes, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate that. Um Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit low to, to sort of make too much many comments on that. I mean, for, for a while we've been saying, why can't we have two tables? Now people have got that. Um as much as sound like I'm gonna get political, but I don't want to. As much as yeah, I'm half Irish for starters, but um as much as when you go to Ireland, it, it doesn't to me feel any different to being at home. It, I regard Ireland as they couldn't be closer brothers as far as I'm concerned. I suppose in actual um, literal terms, it's a different country, isn't it? So maybe, you know, you might not expect all the services you get in the UK is what I'm getting at. It would be great if that were the case, but I guess that's why you don't have ITVX. But a bit of a shame. We know what you're saying. But for most people, um, there is slowly the coverage where you, you want more and more for my TV. So I'm a bit low to get on their case I and mean, they do great things for snooker, but you know what you're saying. You'd, you'd like to sort of see it in, in Ireland as well. But, um, Michael McMullen was doing commentary, of course, to keep the Irish thing going, Phil on, uh, we should say, um, he's definitely a friend of ours, maybe not a friend of the pod, but very clearly a friend of ours. And, um, so that, that was all interesting, but yeah, we, we see the problem you have with Ireland there, but, um, bit of a shame maybe that maybe maybe there'll be a chance to see it and in, in in itvx there in the future people always talk about these very easy ways to me just just get a vpn they say they don't realize i'm, <laughs> stuck, I'm, I'm stuck in about 1982 phil you know i'm 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 still sort of a well i've moved on to compact disc don't get me wrong i'm not that old-fashioned but um but yeah vpn goodness i'll have to get someone very, very clever around my house to sort that out <laughs> yeah
2: no i think that probably is an answer. Um, but yeah, no. I, I don't know, obviously, I don't know anything about why that is the case or anything, but we certainly have raised it. So hopefully if anyone's listening and can uh, sort that out next time. But um, yeah, because there was some good action. I I did end up watching quite a lot of table two because table two seemed to just have all the really long matches because they quite often table one finish and they flick over to there. Um, and yeah, Michael McMillan, and Joe Perry, which was a nice little team on there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't want to be rubbing this into Brian, but
0: it was a nice service to have. <laughs> didn't... This is like the old Jim Bowen, isn't it? Here's what you could have won. Yeah. Sorry, Brian. We have raised um, it. Yeah.
2: Hopefully, hopefully that will be uh, improved next time. Um, here's Tony. Uh, Mark Allen is now my favourite for Sheffield. I was starting to lean that way anyway, but seeing how he won the Players' Championship without ever really being at his best has convinced me he's the man. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be a popular choice. Um, It was interesting, Stephen Hendry on the World Snooker Tour podcast, uh, Snooker Club, um, was saying, obviously, he's a leading contender for Sheffield, but almost the opposite of what Tony's saying there. He was saying that he's not convinced that style of sort of grinding snooker will get get him through a whole World Championship, which some people would say the opposite, but I'm not going to argue with Stephen Hendry, but he reckoned that would be too sort of, when it's not really his natural style. He thinks it'd be too sort of draining, and he'd too much energy expended playing these long sort of playing at thirty seconds a shot, finishing games past midnight. Too much. He can't be doing it over seventeen days, says says Mr. Hendry. And as I say, I'm not going to argue with him too much. But yeah, Mark Allen
0: uh, certainly one of the leading contenders. Yeah, I saw that, that, that those Hendry comments. I suppose really the idea is to have a bit of both, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I was going to write about Mark Selby um, for my my new column coming up, but I'm not going to do that now because I, I think it was banking on him winning the Players Championship a little bit. So, but what I'm certainly planning on doing that one one day. And I think you know he, he the reason he comes into my mind is that people say he's just a grinder, Selby, and that's sort of just not not true. He can score so heavily, you know. He and I think it's people that can do both. I mean, yeah. you know, Ronnie does it, said it time and time again. He, he can knuckle down Ronnie and that, you know, it's no secret. He's obviously the greatest player of them all, but you know, it's it's no secret behind, for example, his two recent wins. And actually, I, I should say that, um, I can't remember who it was now. I, I, it might come to me. I, I wanted to issue a bit of a mere culprit that I don't think I've done so far on here, which is that, um, is it Matthew O'Connell? Might well be. Um, it was a really, really good snooker person that was actually saying to me recently that I'm glad this is coming to my mind. Ronnie winning 22 was actually a lot, lot better quality throughout for him than 20. And I think I did bunch them together too much. 20, he really did. He was doing it a lot for memory, coming from behind just scrapping it out with actually 22 his standard was quite good I think I was swayed a bit in 22 by his opponents not being up to the job but that's not really Ronnie's fault and he actually battered uh, Allen and Maguire so he's very nerdy going back to this but I think I'm going to stop bracketing those two together I think Ronnie did actually play well in 22 it might not have been a totally firing Higgins it might not have been a totally firing job but he did play well but anyway I think he did a bit of both um, I think I, I, I can see where Henry's coming from but I, I think Mark's got enough of those overall qualities generally to be a big contender I know or three people really learning people in the game have also said they think this could well be his year it's going to be hard because you've got the aforementioned Ronnie you've got Selby who's going to be sniffing around bloody hell you you know you've got Judd there are going to be so many incredible contenders so as ever winning that tournament is just uh, even thinking about it in my head Phil, Phil it hurts my head to think about it let alone going out and winning it it's one of the great sporting triumphs if you do so you know, good luck to him. I think he's, you know, it, it was an important breakthrough what he did last year, getting to that semi and getting close in the semi. That was big, I think. He, he had been a long, long time. His, poor, his record there is poor. But now he's got that, you know, I think that could pay the way. Maybe not this one even coming up, but certainly so the next two, three, four, five, you feel this is golden chance time for Alan. He's a serial winner. You know, it, He's done it in so many events now. He's rocketing up that ranking events board. He's joking about Sean Murphy being in his sights, isn't isn't he? And uh, they're, they're good pals, and they're like, like a good joke. But I think he's one behind Murphy now. And he's really he's really piling on the wins on. So I, I tend to agree with Tony. I, I don't know if he'd be my man. I, I said Selby, I think, in that Christmas special. I think I'll probably still stick with Mark. But, you know, yeah, Mark's one of the five or six, I would think, prime contenders as as we sit here now. Into March, Phil. We're into March, getting closer and closer. But, um, yeah, anyway, massive move on, quite a lot of golf stuff now. We did ask for Goff's memories in the last few days, and Jerry Moore uh, says, "'I went a few times over the years, "'but I suppose the 1989 Higgins v Hendry final stands out.'" This is, of course, the Irish Masters. "'I was a massive Hendry fan. "'I'd met Higgins a few years before, "'and let's just say he wasn't the nicest.'" Um, that's not the first time I've heard that view, Phil. So, needless to say, I was in the minority of crowd who were shouting for the home favourite Higgins. I got a few. Uh, sorry, you, you were. Oh yes, sorry, you you were. You, you were you were going for Hendry actually. So you were minority minority who were not shouting for Higgins. I got a dirty looks, a lot of dirty looks, shouting for Hendry, and I was nearly as disappointed as he was that he didn't win. Tried to get Hendry's autograph afterwards but he wasn't really in the form for it for some reason. I'm bridging a 35-year gap by seeing Hendry and all the rest in Goss this weekend. Maybe I'll get that long-awaited autograph, fingers crossed. I like that, waiting 35 years for an autograph. Drop us another line, Joey. Let us know if you did get one. Uh, Looking forward to watching Snooker, in that great venue again. It's a brilliant place to watch Snooker, and it's sad there isn't a ranking event in Ireland. If they could find a venue, given I'd say probably myself that Goss is too small... It would probably be sold out, in my opinion. Regards, Jerry. Well, I agree with that last point. I mean, I'm not Irish. I'm half Irish, of course, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not fully Irish. I, I, I can't say for sure whether it would be sold out wherever it was, because there, there were some Irish events towards the end. That that wasn't the case actually when, when towards its end of its run of having events. But I think now with the gap, there'll be such anticipation. Now I'm certainly sure the first event back would be. A, Pretty much a golden ticket, wherever it was in Ireland, I think. So um, we hope you had a good time there, Jerry. Thanks for that. And, uh, yeah, the start of a few goths emails now, Phil. Yeah,
2: a short one from John here, just saying, thoroughly enjoyed those four hours. First time I've watched Channel 5 since Neighbours ended and nearly in as many tears. That's nice. It was an emotional ending for Ken and for John too. He, again, it's not a friend of the podcast. Very, very near.
0: <laughs> that were too short. Come on. Uh, I'll, let you, I'll let you, Daniel Clark. But just say to John, yeah, um, that was, of course, supposed to be the very last episode of Neighbours, but it has come back. And we know John is a big, big Neighbours fan. So um, one of the happiest people that I know when that news came through, and I know he's enjoying the new, the new, the new run of the show, which is now on freebie. Yeah, Daniel for you.
2: Yeah, this is Daniel Clark. Hi, Nick and Phil. Just thought I'd drop your line about the wonderful Seniors 900 event at Goffs. What a day it was. I've attended most of the seniors' events there in recent years, but maybe because of the presence of the TV cameras or competitive format, this one really had a feel reminiscent of the glory days of the Irish Masters. The atmosphere was electric, and we were treated some really good snooker, with Jimmy gliding around the table like the whirlwind of old. Big breaks from Hendry and Fergal, and in the end, Ken Doherty finally getting to lift the trophy in a place that holds such special memories for him. You could see how much it meant to him with the emotional interview at the end. So, after a successful day, why wouldn't, why shouldn't the main tour be looking at Goffs as a venue? Well, let's set aside issues of money and TV deals for a second and examine the venue itself and dispel some of the narrative that has grown in recent times. Obviously, with only one table, it wouldn't be suitable for a full field ranking event, but why not something like the Tour Championship or even just a revival of the old Irish Masters? Some have pointed out the lack of practice facilities, but with a recently opened hotel on the grounds, as well as large building at the rear of the venue, this would be no longer be a big, big issue. Also, we no longer have this cumbersome TV cameras of old, so plenty of room around the table to manoeuvre and the angle of the static table, table camera today was more in line with what we're used to seeing on TV screens. Looking at access to the venue for fans, Goffs is a perfectly situation, situated. It's 25 minutes from Dublin and easily accessible to everyone else via the motorway network. A venue in Dublin itself, although in our biggest population centres, simply wouldn't attract the crowds from the rest of the country. Finally, I was sitting beside two guys today who were attending live snooker for the first time and they were blown away by the experience. By the end of the afternoon, they were already talking about coming back next year and bringing a few more people along with them. The return of a full tour event might just provide the shot in the arm that snooker in this country so badly needs. Cheers, guys, and keep preaching the gospel of snooker. Daniel, well, thank you very much. It's okay. great to hear um, reviews from people who've been there and who know the venue so intimately well. That's excellent stuff. And, yeah, I mean, we never, you never hear a bad word about goffs, On any front, really.
0: You don't really, and Daniel is something of an authority, particularly on Irish Snoop. And he's written, he actually wrote a lovely piece on his own blog, um, talking about his memories of going there with his father and some of the early days of knowing it. He's been going there for decades, and I know there's we've listened. To, we had someone earlier on this very episode saying that they thought it was too small, but Daniel outlined the reasons there where it, it might be too small for a, a fully blown home nations event for example but for one table event it, it, it could certainly work and we appreciate you outlining those views and we, i know that Daniel, you, you sent some great photos from there as well had, had a really good day and that's a general impression f- f- from there that i've seen smiles on faces i, I know i asked our correspondent earlier if he got an autograph with 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 hendry and there's every chance he did because i saw loads of fans i know you did posing for photos with ken photos with hendry I'm sure Autogast as well. It seemed like those stars and players could, sorry, those stars and fans could mix so well as they can do at other more high profile, normal ranking events on the main tour. But at this, it seemed like it was such a, the impression i got without being there was a real homely family feel afternoon. I love to see all that. So that's brilliant. And uh, yeah, thanks for that, Daniel. A lovely, lovely email. I'm glad you had such a good time. Always keep in touch with us. Friend of the podcast, of course, one that came on in our early days. Um, that's it for correspondence, Phil. We've done over an hour. Any other business? You've got to say Tom Ford. What a guest. Bloody hell. We've had some response to that. We've had some response to that and a half. Uh, he had some very uh, illuminating things to say about the game. Uh, cutting edge stuff, wasn't it? More than I was expecting, I must admit. You weren't so surprised you have spoken to him. I, I actually hadn't for an interview. And I've heard him a couple of times. He, you know, he's not. I've always known, he, you know, had at some extent, Related to, you know, uh be, being, you know, someone that wasn't shy to make a point. But even then, I didn't think he'd be that that strong with his views. He, he was uh, very, very good value. We're really grateful. Thank you to you, Phil, for setting it up.
2: Yeah, no, thanks for coming on. um Yeah, it, it, as well, I always say, i don't really, I'll probably, this is the last time I'm going to say this, but I feel like I said loads. But we can speak to people for an hour and we, there's just endless more stuff I'm going to ask him. So that was definitely the case there. We sort of skipped through quite a lot. Um, but that's always the way. You know, these guys, they've been playing for so long. They've got such, such a lot of stuff to talk about. But um, maybe we'll come back another time. But, yeah, I really enjoyed having mom. Um And thanks for everyone listening and uh, getting in touch.
0: Can I please ask so that's not the last time you say that? Because I actually like that point you make. And I think you make yeah, it I well. I feel like
2: I make, it, about, I make uh, it every time we have anyone on. I, might I, get I, I don't
0: care about that. And <laughs> so, uh, I don't think the listeners will care. It's a okay. good point you make it well. Don't say it, don't say it all the time, okay? It may be maybe a bit more sparing, but please don't make that the last time you say it. Um, okay, players' championship viewing figures from ITV very good. More than six hundred thousand watching the final. Sorry, this is something that I say again and again, but I won't be apologising. It's not just about Ronnie. Ronnie wasn't there. There's a Ronnie tax when Ronnie plays bigger audiences. When he doesn't play, they're still good audiences. People love the game not Just Ronnie, and I was glad to see that because, um, that was a big, big percentage ride over 40% up, uh, I think, on the uh, on the year before for the final. can remember, I can't remember who was the, the players' final of a year ago, actually, but th- th- this, um, off the top of my head, but this was, um, yeah, good viewing figures, and uh, yeah, that's my view, Phil. Ronnie is the number one attraction in this sport, but even when he's not there, people tune in for those big finals. It was a long night, we said it was a it was one for the purest at times. It it, it got it, it, you know it, it got a bit scrappy at times, but it was no less compelling for that. And over six hundred thousand people didn't mind watching it at all.
2: No, yeah, um, yeah, no, that's a, that's all the way the way, isn't it? I I I can't remember one where I've seen and there's been an obvious drop off. Um, yeah, this is off the top of my head, when he thought, okay, those specific players are in it, that's why that's happened. Um, yeah, people just love watching snooker. Um, Murphy beat Carter last year that was oh, uh, yeah. I put in that one um, but yeah no it was uh yeah, we said at the time you know it wasn't a classic of a final but um, I didn't hate it by any means it was very interesting and it really it really felt like it was bubbling up to the end we thought we were going to get one of these rare deciders in finals which we were still waiting for um, and that looked like it was going to be the one but hopefully there will be one to come you know Tour Championship something like that would be It would be lovely if we get one there. And
0: of course, the World Championship if possible. (laughs) Yes, it was we should say it was Mark Hannanuckles beating Zhang Andrew a week ago um, in that final. Um, People say with it as well, the ultimate example in recent times for me was that one under COVID, uh, in COVID when behind closed doors, that unbelievable Judd and and Neil, Mm -hmm. UK semi. People say with it, if you look at the figures, they were like, yeah, some people went to bed because they have very, very early rise, but loads didn't they couldn't go to bed without seeing that to its conclusion and you just can't sometimes it's so compelling so sometimes people I know I talk about the dream but I still think there is a dream element of 10 to 10.30 maybe 10 to 11 where people haven't gone to bed generally those more casual watches will still watch. But if it's really, really compelling and it'll go towards 11 midnight, one, they'll still stick around, which is another great thing about, about snooker and the fans of this sport and and, and why we get so many really good to, TV viewing figures. We should go, shouldn't we? I feel like I'm waffling, not for the first time. Sure. <laughs> 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 really thought, thought you were fine. But yeah, we thought we should go. Um, the Saudi invitation will take place over the next few days and then uh, we'll return. Uh, Probably after the climax of the Championship League, the non-ranking edition, with our next episode. We'll also look ahead to the World Open. That's the next big, uh, fully-blown ranking tournament of the season. And, uh, yeah, Sheffield on the horizon, Phil, loads of big events. Have a great week and uh, see you next time, sir.
2: Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it's crazy to think it's next month. Um, That feels very real, very tangible now, doesn't it? Um, But, yeah. Yeah, no, you too. Uh, have a great week. Pleasure, as always. And thanks for listening,
0: everyone. We really do appreciate it. Thank you. We really do. Good news of tangible there from you. Looking through the old paper diary, April the 8th qualifiers. Oh, bloody hell. Um, April the 20th, World Championship Crucible. Along with the Diamond yeah, a Diamond League.
2: Half marathon the day before the qualifiers. There we go.
0: You're doing that, aren't you? You're doing that. Wh- wh- which well, date's that?
2: The, the half marathon's on
0: the seventh, but then I've got the Edinburgh marathons in May, so the oh, half do. marathon's a bit of a warm up. Because when everyone am him, Phil, letting the secret out there now, you, I can never get hold of you anymore. You, 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 you're doing more running than Sebco. That's what that's one for the teenagers. <laughs> Just because I'm so slow, I'm out there for hours. Isn't it? That's the problem. Um, yeah, so not not quite not quite as as big in our hearts. World Championship, at the Crucible, then also underneath that. Diamond League meeting in Zhen, China. So um, we'll probably be more attentive towards um, towards <laughs> the events in Sheffield that day. That's all to come, Phil. all to come, Tour Championship to come, World Open to come, loads of great snooker to come. And uh, look out for Sporting Life column for me in the coming days as well, when I'll probably talk about Uh, What a great climax of the season we've got, particularly looking at the player of the season race, how many players have been playing well during this campaign. Uh, But for now, we must shoot off. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Uh, Keep your thoughts coming to us uh, for now from your old friends, Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Cheerio.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.